Night Friends, and welcome to Love Hate Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Boel. And I'm Alex Ruiz, and this episode we are here to tell you how to live your lives in that order. Andy, I think I'm getting better at the intro. I think you are. We're <laughs> six episodes into this new alternating format. Yeah. Maybe by next episode we'll stop feeling the need to preface it every time. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, we had a little bit of a douchebag buffer we wanted to get into on this one. Uh, MDT, you want to intro it? No, please go ahead, because I, spoiler alert, I don't remember it. Oh, as of time of recording, it appears that, um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is stroking out on yes. television. Super is. Super is. Um, if for some reason you haven't seen it, that probably means you don't know who Mitch McConnell is. And if that's the case, congratulations. Your life is probably a happy and blissful place. But just in case you understand who Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is and what that means, but haven't heard this, there was a flood on the internet of videos of him trying to give a public address of something, and he literally just stops mid-sentence and his eyes glaze over and the the people behind him kind of start looking at each other like what's going on somebody finally gently comes up to him and is like you okay mitch you want to continue and he's ushered out of the room Mm -hmm. and everyone is very accurately pointing out like i'm not a medical professional but the man clearly just had a stroke so i I, i'll in 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 all deference uh something that doesn't get reported a lot uh in the discussions about this he was brought back to his office and like i i don't know if they cold water faced him or what but um, he did come back out and right. finish the press conference. He he did take more questions. He seemed to be at least normally lucid after that. I think the thing that they were arguing was that it was um, some kind of heat exhaustion um, or something along those lines, which, you know, here's the thing. Heat stroke is a thing. Yeah. Heat exhaustion is a thing, especially for an elderly man. Um, and, uh, Mitch McConnell is, I think, let me, let me see here. Mitch McConnell is 81 years old. He is 81 years old and we have him in here. By the way, people argue about, uh, someone was talking about Bernie Sanders running for Congress again. And they're like, he's going to be 84 when they do that. And I'm like, yeah, Mitch McConnell's 81. I don't think either of them should run or for anything, period. Diane Feinstein is 90 and Nancy Pelosi's 83. Like and that's the real problem. The the other one that went around is um, there's a video of Diane, Senator Diane Feinstein, uh, Democratic Senator of California, um, at a Senate meeting where they're voting on this like $800 million military budget bill. And she clearly, it, it, it appears she clearly is having a moment where she like doesn't quite remember where she is or what she's supposed to be doing there or what's going on, which for a 90-year-old woman, like, yeah, okay, I, I buy that instantly. And somebody leans over and is like, just, just vote yes. Just, just check the box that says yes. Which, so like, no matter how you feel, no matter what your political leanings are, I think we should at least agree that we should not have people who are older than most of our grandparents in these positions of political power. These are two of the most politically powerful Americans in the country, and they're literally dying in front of our eyes on the internet. I just, I I have talked, I don't know how much I've talked about on the podcast, but you know, I'm, I'm someone who is, Kind of consistently kind of gone, why aren't term limits more of a thing? Just in general, it's not even about age necessarily. Like, just, we have term limits for presidents for a very political reason. Yeah. For, For a very long time. So because George Washington had two terms as president and he chose not to run again, uh, it became tradition that presidents would have no more than two terms. Right. That not, it wasn't in law, it wasn't, it's not in the Constitution, uh, or it wasn't, rather. Uh, it was just like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna limit this to two, because that's what George Washington did. That seems like a good tradition. FDR breaks with that tradition, um, partially because, let's be fair, he liked the power, 
and partially because World War Motherfucking Goddamn Two. I was gonna say to be f- the the only one of those that is to be fair is World War Motherfucking Goddamn Two. Yes. Um, so after FDR and his you know several terms and, and dying in office even, right? It was you know they decided okay let's pass an amendment setting a two term limit for presidents. And that made sense because apparently it was a problem that FDR had more than two terms. I wouldn't even be mad at more than two terms for a president, but I do think that there should be a term limit there. It just seems like there should also be a term limit for every other office. Which, critically, there really isn't. And, you know, and and the conservative argument, I I can actually make a conservative argument for this because all the motherfuckers who are constantly going like, oh, we should go by the wishes of the founding fathers... Multiple founding fathers put into their letters and their discussions about what they intended for the U.S. uh, governmental system to be is they wanted offices, especially offices like the House of Representatives, but up to and including the presidency to be the kind of thing where it's you're cycling people in and out. You're not supposed to really have career politicians in the government as they intended. Their hope was everybody would see public office for a short period of time as almost like your civic duty, like, like, like doing jury duty, like voting every four years. It's like, Oh, okay. You're in your late twenties. You're in a good place financially. You should go and uh, do your two years as a member of the house of representatives. You should go and, you know, spend uh, a couple, uh, spend a term being a state senator. Like, you should do the thing. And maybe if you're really good, you'll, you know, expand over to the more national side of things. But the idea was not for you to stay there and make it your career. The idea was you do your public service for a little while and then you go and do something else. Right. Maybe and, and maybe if you really love public service, maybe you go into being a staffer or uh, an advisor or maybe even a judge, some of which carry lifetime appointments. That was the founding father's intention, by and large. And we don't talk about that. The, the founding father fuckers don't talk about that. Yeah. Term limits would actually make that a possibility. And like... The cynical thing is, of course, why would these people want to give up the power and privilege? And my argument to that, I remember, like, the only time in my life I actually sat down and watched an episode of 60 Minutes. Andy Rooney had a monologue at the end about (laughs) exactly what benefits a former president of the United States of America gets. And it's basically like... You don't pay taxes. You don't pay for your airline flights. You get permanent private uh, secret service agents. You don't pay for your phone bills. You you don't pay for shit, and you get to fly around the country and and expound your goodwill being a former president of the United States. And I bet, like, the, the, the argument I make, the selfish, okay, I'll give you a little something argument I make is like, okay, when you stop being a congressperson or a senator, we'll just you, you get a couple of secret service people, you get a fucking ranch wherever you want, you don't have to pay taxes. There you go. You you get those benefits, you get those perks. And then I I, I hope that a few of these dinosaurs at least would take that deal and, and ride off into a happy retirement somewhere. Um so you know Congress members do get a pension. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, if you have been in Congress, I, I'm looking at this here. Um, two, 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 two. So, like, a one-term congressperson uh, is eligible for a $16,000 pension. And your pension is larger the more time that you spend in Congress. Mm. After 10 years in the House, retirement retiring Iowa Senator Tom Harkin... Uh, or sorry, who served 30 years in the Senate after 10 years of the House, uh, gets a starting pension of $125,000. Okay, you know, that makes sense. And of course, it's nobody actually wants to give up the power part of it. I just, and, and the thing is, we're not aware of that. The presidents do get a pension yeah. after they finish serving their time in the presidency. Um, the security thing 
have the argument for that has always been, well, when you're president, you have access to a whole lot of classified shit. And if you don't have security and you're, say, kidnapped. Right. Well, looky loo, here's all of these. Did I just say looky loo? You did. Looky loo, here's all of these state secrets that, granted, might be a little bit out of date, but some of it's not going to be out of date that could just be foisted over to some hostile power. Yeah. I understand that. The issue is, I mean, the issue is career politics. Like, should politics ever be a career for somebody? Some would argue, yes, it should be, because that way you garner the experience. And there's something to that, um, because the alternative is you get a whole bunch of people who made their career in either the military, uh, especially if you're pre-Eisenhower, or worse, corporate America. Right. And and, and you get motherfuckers who say... uh, well, I have a lot of experience running a business, so I'd have a great experience running a state or a country. Like, yes, okay, I want, I, I do like the idea of a little bit of experience with uh, anyone who we're going to entrust with political power, but the point is, like, okay, give them the experience, but maybe after you do your four terms in the House and then your two terms in the Senate, Let's see, that comes out to 8 plus 12. That's 20 years of experience. Maybe at that point, you can run for a presidency. Mm. Maybe your, I don't know, three terms as a governor works for that. And then you can have your two terms in the presidency. Whatever. The point is, this is very theoretically doable without Mitch McConnell having been in the fucking Senate since 1985. When he was nearly 40 years younger. Yeah. Yeah, that's really my thing. It's just like, I don't know, man. Retirement age is what, 65? Uh, like it, it depends, but yeah, you can, you can access Social Security fully at, I think, 65 or 64. I'll be generous and say by the time you're 80, you shouldn't... That's the term limit is like, okay, I'm sorry, you're 80. You get to go do whatever you want now, but it's not except political office. I don't even need that. Like, the, the, the nice thing with a term, like, okay, are there lucid 80-year-olds? Sure. Sure. If somebody's a first-time senator when they're, you know, 80, I kind of think of it like when you have people who, you know, get their high school diploma at 80. Like, that's kind of cool, especially if they turn out to be lucid and solid, but, you know... Give them two terms and then they're done. Right. I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to prevent a Ruth Bader Ginsburg situation here. Uh, We're not going to get into the Supreme Court. Welcome to Love-Hate Relationship, everybody. Thank you for indulging us. Uh, The way that our episodes work these days, uh, we do have an episode where we give you a topic on something we love, something we hate. But this episode is one of our relationship episodes. So after our douchebag buffer, we comb through either uh, questions that you, our lovely audience, send, of which we have none this episode, I'm very sorry, or the internet for relationship questions. Yep. Andy, um, do you have one lined up, or would you like me to try and take the first? I don't, but I can I can vamp for you a little bit if you want to find one. As I was looking up, uh, going on to Reddit because Twitter is no longer viable, and oh no no no, Andy, it's X now. Eh, fuck that. <laughs> it's still Twitter on my phone, and it will be as long as I can make it. Um, I was going on to Reddit and typing in, you know, our relationship advice, or am I the asshole? And as I was doing that, I came across a Reddit that I'm not going to pull from, but it amuses me. It's our am I the devil, which is just other people, like, taking questions from am I the asshole and rephrasing the title to be like, well, this guy's clearly a piece of shit. This guy's clearly embezzling his wife. Eh, I got one, by the way. All right. All right. Um, and, and, and I want you to think about names as I read this to you. So this comes from Am I the Asshole? And the links to these are going to be in the episode description. I, a 39-year-old male, have a 16-year-old son with my wife, female, 40 years old. This incident happened a few days ago, and she's still mad at me. I was on a work trip, so my wife was at home with our son. When I got back, I found out that he had been hanging out with his friends, and they convinced him to drink some beer, and he got a little drunk. I'm not saying what he did was right, but him and I had a talk about it, and it's fine. 
The problem is that when he came home and my wife found out, she was furious and kicked him out and refused to let him back in until the morning. He was begging her to let him, but she wouldn't. When I found out, I was furious. Regardless of what he did, she made a slightly drunk teenager stay outside by himself at night. Something very bad could have happened to him. We had a huge argument over it. I asked how the hell she thought that was okay. She just kept saying that it's our son's fault for drinking alcohol. My wife isn't really talking to me now, and my son isn't talking to his mom. I feel like I'm in the right, but maybe I'm not. Am I the asshole? I mean, I I have a recollection that we have already used this character, but this sounds like the plot of a King of the Hill episode. I know we've used Hank Hill in the past, but this sounds exactly like a fucking King of the Hill episode. Well, no, because there's literally a an episode where Bobby gets drunk and Hank does not lock Bobby out. Hank pointedly like drags Bobby back to the house, makes him sleep it off and then grounds the shit out of him. Right. But I could see that episode going where like Peggy freaks out and then locks Bobby out of the house. Um, I mean, I could also stretch this and, and see this happening to someone in the Belchers Although that doesn't work. No, they're, they're too loving. The they're too loving. We need, we need, honestly, we need a shitty parent. Who is a shitty parent? I mean. Or we need a situation where there's a shitty parent and a good parent. I could see this being the plot of a one day at a time episode where. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Rita Morano's character locks out her daughter for getting drunk. Okay. It's not, so it's not, it's not a husband and a wife. But it, it, it is people who are co-parenting. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, I kind of like, so we've, we'd have Penelope, Indeed. who I think would be our question asker. And we have Lydia, who would be the other parent. So. Right. so All right. Hi. <laughs> Whew. Okay. I, I read, so do you want to start on this? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead. So so in this we, we have Penelope, Lydia, and Elena as the uh, teenager. Uh let's 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 be fair, it would be, it would be, be Alex. Alex. <laughs> it would be Alex. Fair enough. Yeah, so so this is Am I the Asshole? Can you remind me what, what specifically was the, the question of assholery? So, so Penelope, who just had a conversation with no, Alex no. and was like, it's fine now, got into a fight with Lydia because Lydia locked Alex out. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Penelope is the asshole for being upset about that. There, there was a action. There was a consequence to said action. There, there was a addressal of the situation, and then Lydia enacted further and more drastic consequence. I think it's a very valid point to say, like, sure, I can see the world where Alex should be punished, but that punishment should not be effectively making them homeless for a night. We don't know the area. We don't know if this is suburbia or city or what the deal is. No matter what, um, that just does lead to an aspect of danger. And even beyond any pearl clutching, that's when the, the gang members come out to play. There's just like, no, I mean... Dude could have tripped and hurt himself and it's three in the morning and nobody is around to notice that this dude has broken his leg or cracked his head open or something. Like, I, I assume Alex just kind of slept by the back door like a, like a pet for the night. Because that's probably what I would have done. Mm -hmm. You would find a tree in the backyard or something. It's still pretty, like, extra to do that period regardless of the fact that penelope already addressed the situation like the thing i'm not clear about is did lydia know that i don't think lydia did if, if lydia did know that that's an extra thing of like 
yo, I fucking handled it. We talked about this. You knew I had done something, and then you enact a more draconian punishment? That's just messed up. Yeah, the timing is a little confusing here, but... Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I think it's shitty of Lydia. I think Lydia's the asshole in this case, and that's certain that that is the same as well i caught you smoking now you're gonna smoke this carton of cigarettes in front of me that is some 1970s tough parent shit which is toxic and bad and dangerous and dangerous i have a much i I, i'm a lot less nice to lydia in this than you are because Mm. the thing that pops into my head is Alex could fall asleep drunk, throw up in his sleep, and choke on his vomit like Jimi Hendrix. Oh, see, I didn't even consider the idea that Alex was still drunk. Alex apparently, it says here he got a little drunk. Okay, that's, I I hear that. But if Alex is fucked up, he could go wandering out in the streets. A cop could pick him up for public intoxication. That goes on a record. He could get hit by a car wandering around in the streets. Again, he could pass out, throw up in his sleep, and choke on his own vomit. And no one would be there to help him. Yeah. Like, I mean, li- like Lydia's attitude on this is fucking awful. And and this whole thing about she just kept saying that it's our son's fault for drinking alcohol. That's that look what you made me do bullshit. Look what you made me do. Now I'm lo- Now I have to lock you out of the house. It's your fault. Fuck you, Lydia. No. Honestly, like... Granted, I don't have kids, and 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 I don't want them. But this is this is shit that's worth leaving your spouse over. Sure, because you endangered this child, and it is a child by locking them out like this. This is not cute. This is not nice. This kid got a little drunk and made. This kid made a mistake. Do you know how much I got drunk before I was 18? Yes, you do know how much I got drunk before I was 18. I was there half the time. Yeah, exactly. And if my parents, and, and, and here's what could happen. Like my parents, I, for whatever issues I had with my parents, my parents were always like, you can come home. You can call us. If you make a mistake, if you, if something happens, we just like, it's not, it's not you won't be punished. No, my parents were never that. Yeah. But my parents were like, there is nothing that would be worse than you getting yourself in a bad situation and like endangering yourself and thinking you can't come to us for help. Your life is more important. So my even my parents, for as old school as they got a few times, would never have done this kind of shit. Because it's actively dangerous. Lydia And Lydia can be like, oh, I'm teaching him a lesson. No, you're endangering his life because you can't deal with this. And I know Lydia can't deal with this because their repeated response to this is that it is his fault for drinking the alcohol. It is the child with the undeveloped prefrontal cortex's fault for making a mistake that their life is now in danger despite the fact that they are physically home in a safe place. Yes, punish the kid. That's fine. If you think, if you, like Lydia, if you think that Penelope was too easy on him, that's actually a fair conversation for you to have with Penelope and then subsequently have with Alex, where you can say, no, I don't want him to get off easy on this. I think he needs to be punished. I think he needs to have something happen that is more dramatic than a talking to. That's that's co-parenting. Sure. That's where you and your partner are sitting here going like, okay, let's discuss what should be the best approach here. But locking him out, and that question cannot be the difference between a talking to and endangerment. Yeah. That's that's CPS level shit. And there are people that, like, there are people listening to this who think that, that it's not. But the thing is, it is. It absolutely is. Just because it happens in certain places does not mean it's not CPS level shit. No, I, I completely agree. And yeah, I, I think we're on the same page that Lydia is in the wrong here. The, the degree in which Lydia is the wrong here maybe, maybe depends on the actual state of Alex in the moment. I, I agree. It, it didn't even occur to me that Lydia might have been like, no, fuck you. You're sleeping outside, drunkie. 
and like letting a actively intoxicated child be left to their own devices over the night that is extremely more dangerous i, I think it's dangerous if the kid's sober just because like if shit decides to happen that night nobody's gonna know about it I, but yeah. I, I think we're in agreement on the core point here that this is a gross overreaction from Lydia. And to a minor point, it should be discussed with Penelope before being enacted with on Alex. Yeah. All right. I think that covers this one. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, Penelope, you are not an asshole. However, Lydia is totally an asshole. Yes. And uh, yeah. What you got, Andy? I got what I feel like is a little bit more of a nuanced one here. Uh, this is coming from um, our relationship advice. All right. And so specifically, the question is, or the topic is, I, 25-year-old female, accidentally found out my partner's, 25-year-old male, citizenship status. You have my attention. My boyfriend and I have been dating for around two years and we're pretty serious. He's always told me and everyone in his life that he was born in California. I recently wanted to get him a new wallet, so I opened his to see how many card slots I should look for. I accidentally saw his work authorization card and it said his birthplace was Mexico. Mm -hmm. This was in February and I really don't know what to do. I've wanted to be respectful and allow him to tell me when he's comfortable. I also love him more than anything, and it physically hurts to see him hide a part of himself. He gets so excited watching Mexican fighters and soccer teams. I want him to be able to be authentic and proud. I want him to feel fully I want him to feel fully understood and seen by me. His family all speaks Spanish, and after I found his card, I signed up for Spanish classes at my local community college. I'm planning on studying abroad for a week in the winter. One of my job duties is supporting new immigrant families with resources. I would consider myself a very safe person to disclose this information to, and I, but I am completely empathetic and understanding for why he hasn't told me. I don't want him to feel any sort of guilt or shame for not having told me. I'd marry him tomorrow, regardless of where he was born. How can I approach this topic sensitively? Should I just leave it alone? Hmm. Okay, so we need a name for this person who is a, like, well-meaning white lady, <laughs> possibly partnered to a person of color. We can't use Ricky and Lucy. We've done that one. That's fair. I, I am trying to, like, think of one. Did you ever know? watch the George Lopez show? You know, I watched, like, three episodes randomly throughout my teenagehood. So, a thing with the George Lopez show uh, was that his partner, like, like I, I think his partner was white in that show, I want to say. No. She was played by uh, Constance Marie. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to run with this. All right, um, all so, right. this, this could be Angie, and then um, Homeboy could be George. Because okay. George Lopez literally called himself George Lopez in that show. Sure. But the idea was, okay, we got a little bit of a culture clash because we got a white lady who uh, married a Mexican. And occasionally there's issues there, like when one of their kids can't roll their R's. I think that that is the perfect pick. Okay, so we've got Angie Lopez and uh, the boy is George. I mean, off the bat, Angie, I'm going to say, and, and Andy, please feel free to disagree with this. Uh, I won't call you racist for it. <laughs> um, but I I absolutely think you should leave it alone. 100% should you leave it alone. Um, it's, it's really sweet that you want to be so supportive. It's really sweet that, like, his family all speaks Spanish and you are actively like, okay, I'm going to learn Spanish. Like that is a th like my partner is working on doing that just because so much of my family doesn't really speak much English, if any, mm -hmm. and she wants to be able to communicate with that. That is a wonderful thing. It's great that you have all these nice 
liberal credentials about how you work with immigrant families and you're so sensitive to these subjects and you want to believe you're a safe person. When you tell me that you believe you're a safe person, you're telling me that this is about you. It's not about George. Yeah, I don't disagree with your take there. The, the, you know, the actual race of the question asker is never addressed, but I think it is a very safe assumption that this is a like child of wasp white person. This is a like grew up in Iowa white person, very well-intentioned liberal white woman we're, we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has reason. And, and here's the other side of it. He has reasons for saying that he was born in California. That's my big thing yeah. is, is just to interject like, my immediate read off of this is you don't know why he's chosen not to disclose this. And there are a bevy of reasons, especially in a post Trump America, which if they've been together for two years, then they got together in the middle or the, the very tail end of the Trump administration Eh. Bideny times, but yeah, yeah, but we're, we'd be fresh out of the Trump administration. Listen, when I flew to Arizona to go to a wedding, I carried multiple forms of government authorization uh, of government documentation on me just to be safe. Yeah, because I was driving by Sheriff Joe Arpaio's fucking county there, and I didn't need that shit. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it it's there there are reasons for this. And and it doesn't matter if you think it's safe for him. It doesn't matter if you think you're safe for him. Yeah. He will tell you in his own time if y'all's relationship comes to the point of marriage, he's going to need to be very comfortable sharing that with you because at some point y'all are going to need to share identifying documents. Right. That's kind of my big thing is like you know, uh, was it Angela? Angie. Angie. Angie says she's married. She'd marry him in a heartbeat. Great. I believe that. I believe they're in love. He has not proposed marriage. Marriage is not actually on the table. And they've and, only been together two years. Yeah, and, and until that that is a thing, I don't know that George really owes Angie any sort of admission beyond that no matter how much she loves him now if they get married and he like you say if if they get married and he tries to skirt around the fact that he is a mexican national that becomes a different conversation for sure yeah absolutely but until then yeah it's his it's his deal so leave him alone on that there's i get a special kind of irritation with well-meaning people of a uh, majority power demographic like I, I can I can lump this in the whiteness but it also there's the other there's a version of this where it's straight people who want to make sure that their queer friends know that they're safe and sure. it's it's it does not matter if you have reached your own made-up criteria for what makes you safe. It matters if he feels safe and he will only feel safe in his own time, on his own circumstances, and he might not feel safe disclosing this to you until there's no reason not to. Yeah. In the most extreme case, there might be a version of this where he, where it actively holds certain things back. Maybe he doesn't ask you to marry him despite wanting to because he doesn't want to reveal this to you. But even that has to come out organically. You cannot force this. And you, I I wouldn't say you should lie to him when it does come up. Like you, you can admit, hey, this happened and I have actually known and I don't care and y'all need to be, and you need to be ready for him to maybe be a little upset about that. That's the thing I was going to say is as as a direct answer to the question, how can you approach this topic sensitively? You have to come to the table starting with, I'm so sorry. I had a well-intentioned idea and in doing so I went through your shit 
That's the other thing. She went through his wallet. She, yeah, which she is had... just not okay. Like, if you want to give someone that gift, be like, hey, I want to buy you a wallet yeah. uh, for your birthday or our anniversary or whatever. How many... Can I show you some options? How many spots do you need? Don't go yeah. through a shit. So you cage it in an apology for that issue, and that is the moment where you say, also, I I found this. I discovered this. And, and that's the way you do it sensitively, but be prepared for admonishment for that. Be prepared for him to be really pissed off for a couple of different things that we just laid out here. Also, I think you should question how safe you are because you did this. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, you can have all the good intentions in the world, and they don't mean shit if you violated somebody's privacy. Yeah. Like, it, you sh maybe you don't need to question how, like, racially safe you are. You probably should anyway because you're, you know, the lady doth protest too much here. But you should kind of get your own house in order a little bit about this. And I really do, like, again, Andy's welcome to disagree with me. I don't think you should approach this topic at all. I think you should leave it alone until he brings it to you. No, I don't think you should, but if you're going to, yeah, you do it then, and maybe, maybe if, if you, like, this is pure, like, kind of selfish for, um, for Angie, but maybe you do it right before you go studying abroad so that y'all can have the fight about it and then um, have a week to cool down. Yeah. All right, I got one. This is off our relationship advice. 38-year-old 38, 38 male says, my wife, 27-year-old uh, female, says that she doesn't have time to shower or brush her teeth, let alone help with the chores. Okay. Mm Hi everyone, I'm in a little bit of a pickle here. My wife has always struggled with staying on top of household chores. We share chores fairly evenly, or at least are meant to, but lately I noticed she was slowly doing less and less. I work from home, and she is a part-time student and part-time server at a restaurant. Since I'm around the home more, I sort of just begrudgingly picked up the slack and did my best to keep the house in decent shape. This has led to a bit of tension, which finally came to a head today when we had a bit of an argument about the possibility of getting a new puppy. The crux of the argument was something along the lines of me saying, I can't believe you even think we're in a place where we could consider getting a new puppy when we can't even keep the house clean as it is. This statement really hit a nerve, and she went off on me saying, it's not like I want to have a sink full of dirty dishes, have no clean laundry, not brush my teeth or shower. I just don't have any time between my job and my schoolwork to do any of it. This caught me completely off guard. I'd been so focused on keeping the kitchen clean, somehow I'd missed the fact that my wife had been showering less and not brushing her teeth. Mm -hmm. I guess lucky for me, even when she doesn't shower, she doesn't get particularly bad B.O. I asked her what's the longest she'd went without showering, and she said it was probably around 10 days. Now, while I can theoretically just do all the chores myself, I don't feel like I can really do anything about her not taking her personal hygiene seriously. She says she feels completely overwhelmed thinking about all of the stuff she needs to do, so when she's not at work or doing schoolwork, she ends up doing nothing. I think it's relevant to mention my wife is ADHD. She used to take medication for it, but stopped taking it because it gave her a racing heartbeat as a side effect. I'm no psychiatrist, but from my limited knowledge about ADHD, inability to properly prioritize chores and self-care tasks is a common symptom. Lack of motivation to use one's downtime to tackle minor household ta tasks seems like another one. I'm not sure what to do. She does have a somewhat tight schedule, but nowhere near the degree where I'd think it would make sense to forego physical hygiene. Showering takes like 10 minutes, plus a little more to dry her hair. It's not like she's working 12-hour days and then going straight to bed when she gets home. She has a few hours after she gets back from work and finishes her homework where she just enjoys some TV shows and video games. I love her and want to help her, but I also feel betrayed by how partnerless I feel in times like this. I don't want to take away her precious free time, but I can't understand prioritizing watching TV and playing video games over taking necessary showers. But given that medication also seems off the table, I'm worried I'm going to be stuck with a smelly partner who can't bring herself to help with the chores. How can I help my partner get back to a place where she's on top of basic stuff? I've got names okay there is an exceptional show on fx and hulu called you're the worst <laughs> i've shown alex like the first couple episodes of you're the worst okay we don't get into it but there are, are factors between the main characters of that show where this could be a plot line okay so i think our question asker is jimmy fitshive overly 
Uh, Jimmy and his partner is Gretchen. Okay, Jimmy and Gretchen. I'll, I'll be interested to see your drops for this episode. Talk therapy along with medication is the most effective long-term approach to managing depression. You mean beating depression? Winning depression. Oh, I like that. That's not a thing. Winning it. Uh, and I gotta start by saying I'm shaking. Jimmy, you obtuse motherfucker. I don't think this has to do anything with Gretchen's ADHD. I think Gretchen is overwhelmed and potentially suffering from clinical depression. You fucking asshole. <laughs> I was not expecting this reaction. Go ahead, Andy. I mean, just... Uh, first of all, Jenny, you fucking suck for caging this in a... Well, I think I know she has ADHD, but I, I've looked into it and, and ADHD shouldn't really get in the way of doing all this. I, I do know that it can make prioritizing stuff hard. So maybe I just how can I help her prioritize better to do stuff so that she isn't smelly and stinky? Even caging it in, lucky me, I don't think my wife or partner or girlfriend is incredibly like gross when she doesn't do this but i just don't get it. motherfucker you selfish asshole <laughs> there is no accounting or nothing more than a very tacit and shallow accounting for any sort of empathy towards what gretchen is going through there is merely this like annoyance on Jimmy's part over not understanding why what he feels basic hygiene requirements are not being met. And you know what? Yeah, people should ideally shower at least once or twice a week and should ideally brush their teeth and maintain proper dental hygiene. But I'm just... I'm beside myself with Jimmy on this one because at no point in your relation did I hear anything close to actual empathy or care for his partner. I think he is a selfish asshole and I, I need to think about any actual constructive advice I can give here because I'm just so blindsided <laughs> by how blindingly furious I am at this man. Uh, okay, so it, it, this this is a case where I think I I agree with you that I think Jimmy is missing a whole lot of things. I'm a little, like, softer on his side of things than you are. But let me see what I can do while you take a moment and figure out your own advice there. First of all, no, you should not get a puppy. No! That, that would be a very bad idea. No, no don't do that! <laughs> Second of all... I see a lot here. Like, to me, I listen to this entire situation, and a lot of it can really come down to a breakdown in communication. I think Jimmy has a legitimate, like... Jimmy says that he begrudgingly took up doing all of this house stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Jimmy has a legitimate reason there to be like, hey, this kind of sucks and I should talk to my partner about it. Like that, that is fair for him to be like, I just because I work, just because someone works from home does not mean that they should be shunted with all of the housework. Mm. There is a reason why in my marriage, my partner works at home. I work in an office and I actively try to, take things off her plate whenever I can because since she's here, she inevitably gets stuck with a fair amount of the dog walking, a fair amount of the like emptying the dishwasher and uh, and a lot of our cooking and, and a lot of those things. So that's why as much as I can, when I am home on my days off, I try and take up as much of the dog walking as I can. I try and do as much of the kitchen cleaning. I clean our home one day a week, more or less. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, it's and it's all to balance it out. So, Jimmy is it's fair for Jimmy to say, "Hey, just because I work from home doesn't mean that I should have to do all of this." Sure. Now, him being like, "Hey." Babe, you're um 
you're not prioritizing things correctly. There's a better way to put that. And a better way to put that would be, hey, I appreciate you communicating to me that you feel so overwhelmed that you can't even brush your teeth and take a shower. Can we take a take a, take an hour, take an evening, take some time and talk this shit through, talk our week through, talk our time through so that you a have the time to take care of that personal personal hygiene stuff and b we see what can be done here. I don't think as long as your wife is working the way that she's working and doing school the way that she's doing, that she is going to be able to 50-50 on the housework. Mm. And Jimmy, you should accept that. Like, frankly, if somebody is pursuing school, I think there's a valid reason for another partner to be like, okay, you're studying. That's not going to be a permanent thing. So, you know what, I can step up for the, whatever it is, two years, three years, five years that you're in med school. No. I don't think, I don't think they say where she is in that. And you look for places where she can conceivably help out some. If she does, she, she deserves to have some decompression time with her watching TV and video games. Also, maybe you do figure out a way that some of that time can be adjusted. If there's an issue with her ADHD medication, she used to, she stopped taking it because it gave her a racing heartbeat as a side effect. She should go back to her doctor, report that, and get new medication. That shouldn't be happening. And 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 I want to emphasize this point because a lot of people who I talk to, whether they're listeners or not. A lot of people I talk to seem to have this idea that medication can't be for me. Okay, well, what medication did you try? Well, my doctor put me on this one thing and I had this side effect, so I stopped taking it. No. Well, did you talk to your doctor about changing your dosage or changing the exact medication? No, why would I do that? It doesn't work for me. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> medication is a moving target. One dose of medication does not work the same for everybody. They have to be, This is, and this does legitimately suck about medicating. For anything, even if it's not for a mental issue. It's especially important in a mental issue because brain chemistry is even harder to get down than, say, gastrointestinal than, 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 or, or, or heart medication. or like We understand how statins work with cholesterol just fine. Brain meds are a moving target. Sure. So... At some point, Gretchen should really go back to her doctor and say, hey, the ADHD medication you put me on gave me a racing heartbeat. And your doctor would be like, that's really bad. Let's change your dosage or let's try this different medication. Do it for three months. If you get serious side effects, stop and call me because that's what doctors do. So if you want to do that, pursue that separately. But the biggest thing here is communicating. Because, Jimmy, you and Gretchen communicate like shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, taking a moment, thinking through things, I, I can agree with Jimmy that, you know, I think his intention is kind of coming from the right place. I think I can agree with Jimmy that there is a bare minimum that somebody should ideally be given for, if nothing else, their own physical health and hygiene. Absolutely don't get the dog. <laughs> Sit down and talk with Gretchen about the bigger issue here, which I think getting to that involves Jimmy reflecting and realizing what the bigger issue is here. Mm -hmm. Having a little bit of introspection and, and thinking about, well, what is going on in her life that... She feels like she doesn't have time to shower and brush her teeth, but needs the decompression time of watching TV. I think it's a very good point to just accept that while she is in higher education, at the very least, this is not going to be a 50-50 partnership. You're going to have to take on a little bit more. You shouldn't have to do everything just because you, you are the one who works from home. And... This question is not at all about what the question is actually. No, this question this question assumes a lot of things that are just fucked. Yes. It's it's 
there's so much that Jimmy assumes here. He, he begrudgingly takes on all these tasks without talking to Gretchen. He says up here, he's like, well, it looks like medication is off the table. It's like, motherfucker, is medication off the table or have you just not talked about it? They don't talk. Yeah. They don't look for solutions here. And, and the thing is, I think Jimmy would be right to point out, hey, it takes 10 minutes to shower. It takes two minutes to brush your teeth. It's It's... That there are ways around this that I have heard people who have told me, like, I've heard people who have, I've, I've talked to and they say that they don't have time for things. They're like, I do not have 10 minutes to myself. Usually it's parents. And I get that, especially in the first, like, few months yeah. that a kid is alive. And and you know what I'll I'll grant that that's that's a weird I've I've seen I've visited parents in that space and that is a weird time suck yeah. that is a weird time suck that lasts for a few months yeah. at most if you are living a day to day life long term where you do not have ten minutes to do a thing you do not have control of your life you have a problem and you need help. That might be psychological help. That might be you getting over yourself enough to ask for additional help from other people to take care of any of this. That might be you needing to forsake something to take an hour and plan out your day because if you literally do not have 10 minutes, you are not being creative or mindful about how you live your life. You are just taking your shit as it comes, and it does not need to be that way. The only people who should be so regimented that they literally do not have 10 minutes are Navy fucking SEALs on an active mission. Yeah. You are not a Navy fucking SEAL on an active mission. Communicate with your partner, make it a goddamn plan, and be fucking sober about this. Be sober about this. Be empathetic about this. I... I don't know for a fact that Gretchen is suffering from depression or anything like that. But it sure fucking sounds like it to me. And it sounds like Gretchen is horrendously overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. Jimmy, you have the benefit of at least having enough bird's eye about this to recognize the problem and not be in a pure survival mode. Yeah. Which means you should probably open this conversation and you should open it from a place that's probably not leading with... Hey, you haven't showered in 10 days and you're disgusting. All right, I got one to close this out here. Hit me. Uh, this is coming from Am I the Asshole. Okay. Am I the Asshole for not giving my sister my prom photos? This one's good. Interesting. Okay. My sister, a 42-year-old woman, recently asked me, a 36-year-old woman, for my prom photos. I kindly told her no. My husband told me she wanted, or her husband told me she wanted to use them for a quote-unquote godly life photo album to what? give to her kids. The idea was given to her by her children's school to promote God to kids. And I wanted, and she wanted to use my photos as an example for sin. In my prom photos, I am visibly a little intoxicated. After I said no to her little album, she told me I was being unreasonable and that I should give them to her so some good comes out of my sinning on that night. I don't want my nieces and nephews to see me that way, and I'm pretty sure she would show that album to all the moms she knows. We have a lot of mutual friends that are very judgy. She said she isn't talking to me until I give them to her. Am I the asshole? Okay, so we need names. Do we have... <laughs> Here's the funny thing. I have an idea for one, but the idea comes <laughs> less from the characters that they played and more from the real-life actors. Oh, interesting. Um, are, are, are you familiar with the eventual futures of the uh, young women who played DJ and Stephanie on Full House? No. Uh, so Candace Cameron uh, DeBurr, uh, little sister of uh, Kirk Cameron, is a sweet, wholesome Christian mom, Christian act, works, does a lot of those Christian made-for-TV movies, sure. hella religious, etc. 
Jody Sweeten, who played Stephanie, got arrested for meth multiple times. <laughs> um, and hey, they both did Fuller House together. So it's less DJ and Stephanie than it is Candace Cameron and Jody Sweeten, but this feels like it kind of. You got DJ and you got Stephanie. I'm not mad at it at all. So, I'm fine with that. Okay, so we would have Stephanie Tanner talking to DJ Tanner. First, Jason drove on the wrong side of the road, and then he pretended like the steering wheel was locked. We came this close to a truck. Wow. Does he have an older brother? Maybe we could all double date and drive off a cliff together. And oh my god. Yeah, this one took a turn. Yeah. So, off the bat, um, Stephanie, no, you are not the asshole. DJ is absolutely the asshole here, especially because she's like, she won't talk to you until you give the, give her your personal photos. Like that's shitty on top of it. That's like, no, you don't get to hold our relationship over one another because I don't want to share with you something that is mine my property, my thing, my memories. And I think you are perfectly within your realm to be like, no, I don't want that to be what my nieces and nephews look at me as. What the fuck do you mean so something good comes out of my sinning? Yeah, this the, the puritanical bent on this is something else. I What blows me away is the idea of, okay, so which one's the older sister? DJ. Okay, so DJ wants to create something that promotes a godly life for her children. Okay, I, I, I don't love it. But I actively hate it. Yeah, um, but whatever. Okay, you've chosen to do this thing. The fact and idea that you need to draw from real life people for your examples is actively insane to me. That there is nothing but a callous disrespect for your sister, for Stephanie. I mean, I, I get it in the logic of evangelical shaming. Yeah, but that's fucked. Yes, it's fucked. <laughs> so is evangelical shaming. The idea that you couldn't just, like, do a Google image search and find some stranger's photo, which would still be fucked up and disrespectful, but isn't actively attacking other members of your family, actively poisoning your children's perception of their aunt, even slightly, is like an extra, oh my God, yes, DJ, you are the asshole. Yeah. To me. No, I mean, you're, you're right there. Like, this is... I do think we need to acknowledge the possibility that this uh, this is true of all our questions that we pull from the internet, but the possibility and even likelihood that this isn't real, that this is made up. Um, I don't know. If, yes, we need yeah. to acknowledge that. I, no, and and I and I say this as you know, a vocal atheist. I, I always try to be careful to mind uh, how often I hear something shitty about a religious person. And just go, well, that's the shitty thing about religious people. Like I, yeah. I, I try and I try and watch that in myself. I try and watch that bias. I try and not run with that assumption. Sure. But the way that this and, and, and the way that this comes across to me, if it's if it's true, if it's a real thing, your sister is in an incredibly toxic setup. Because this whole, like, the children's school photo album, godly life bullshit. Hey, here, put an example. Because I can imagine the world where, um, you know, the prompt says, okay, now for the part about sin, put in a photo of somebody who was a sinner. And it's like, to me, the attitude is, hey, why don't you put in a photo of uh, a sin of yours? Oh, I don't have any photos of sins of mine. Okay, well, you can put in a detailed description of a sin of yours so that your children can see your sinful humanity, sis. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's gross. It's offensive. It's, I, I, I like to think that with my nieces and nephews, I will have, I will be able to have the kind of relationship with them where I can talk to them about the mistakes that I made in my life that I hope they don't also make. 
Yeah. We just said on this episode how many times before I was 18 I was drunk as hell. Right. Um, but no, Stephanie, like if your sister refuses to talk to you because of this, I would even encourage you to get a little messy, like snitch to the family. Hey, my older sister says she won't talk to me because I won't give her my prom photos as her example to my niece and nephew about what a sinful person is. Because I don't want my niece and nephew to think about, to associate that with me long term. I want to have a good relationship with them. And I don't think this is going to help that. Like, snitch. I, I am telling you actively to snitch to the rest of your family about this. You should shame your sister for this because she should be ashamed of herself. What I will say to that is we don't have any actual context for um, the theology of anyone else in the family, True. including Stephanie in this example. True. I know people who are in larger families and are a degree of a certain faith and then other members of those families are a much higher, stricter, more puritanical degree of that same faith. <laughs> like, uh, you know my family. <laughs> there's so much room to play here. Stephanie could be an out-and-out atheist. Stephanie could be a Easter and, and Christmas Christian. Stephanie could be a every-week Christian who just, like, doesn't buy into this insane puritanical bullshit. This is true. Um, we don't know where the rest of the family is. I think it's interesting that it is mentioned that DJ's husband, like, straight up goes like, oh, yeah, no, like, th she's making this book. It's supposed to be for our kids. She specifically wants to use your prom photos as an example of a sinner. That is interesting that it came from DJ's husband and not DJ that she wanted to do this. I think that's a point of confrontation. You could be like, how come I had to hear this from your husband? Yeah. How come you couldn't be honest with me? I'm going to say this up front. DJ's a bad Christian. Yeah, I, I agree with that absolutely. I think there's a degree of uh, of awareness from DJ's husband to be like, listen, this is what she wants it for. I just feel like you should have that context because he could have just been like, oh no, we're just we're we're making a photo album. It's a Sunday school thing. Well, they also don't state like where DJ's husband was coming. Like, was it a hey, just a heads up for your info, or was it just a, or was it a like, yeah, we're doing this project and we want to use your prom photo for sin. That's true. Um, I don't know why I made him sound like such a millhouse, but uh, I, in the most most charitable bent I can take on this, it would have been one thing if DJ had been like, "We want to use this photo that portrays you in an unflattering light, specifically because we feel like." You have come so far. You've you've grown so much from meeting that person. We want to show our kids that yes, your aunt did this in high school and is still your amazing aunt who we love and respect. There's no abs There's absolutely no reason why you couldn't do that with yourselves, except for the selfishness and and the like piety of oh well, there is no photo that shows us in that light when absolutely there's got to be. Um, that is the most generous thing I can take. But I, I agree. Stephanie is not an asshole. DJ is an incredible asshole. Depending on the structure of the rest of the family, this is Stephanie's opportunity to either just cut ties with DJ or turn the rest of the family against this insanity. Or at least bring them to light on. And I'll just say, I can point to at least three biblical sins that DJ is committing just in this fucking story. <laughs> uh, shall we call it? I think we shall. That's our... We, we're, we're averaging about four questions per episode here, and I think that's going to be the clip we take these at. Cool. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on this questions episode of Love-Hate Relationship. We, we very much enjoy uh, giving our perfectly unqualified advice to the internet, but we also enjoy giving it to you. And if you have any relationship questions, you can send those in to lovehaterelationshippodcast at gmail.com where we promise we'll read them. That's right. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, not Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and even TuneIn Radio. 
Hey, Mom. Uh, thanks for never, uh, well, thanks for never catching me while drunk. <laughs> thanks for the fact that if you ever did, you wouldn't have locked me outside of the house. Um, you can also rate and or review us on any and or all of those platforms. This is the part where I would normally say you can follow us on Twitter at LHRPod, but um, Twitter is now X, and I don't know if we're going to keep it. So at least for this episode, Andy and I will have a conversation. Maybe we'll join Threads. Maybe we'll join Blue Sky or Mastodon. Or maybe we won't do anything. Who the fuck knows? But uh, for this episode, we're not going to ask you to follow us on any type of social media. We are just going to ask that you, uh, I don't know, go outside and touch some grass. Sounds like a good idea. (laughs) You can still technically follow me on a whole bunch of stuff at a underscore x underscore r-u-i-z i'm gonna just tell you instagram and chess.com and lie chess because like yeah that feels the best if you want my socials go ahead and listen to another episode i give them at the end of every episode <laughs> is this how we should do? just we have a hundred plus episodes of our socials go there you asses find a topic that interests you and listen to us talk about it uh and in the meantime, please tell your enemies. <laughs>